All he did was almost record double-digit sacks. Steps up in the pocket and it goes down. Guess who? Aiden Hutchinson. Here's a guy who has the work ethic and the talent. Now Willis taking a shot for the end zone and it's caught. First of all, I think Malik Willis from Liberty and Kenny Pickett from Pitt may be gone by the time they pick it to the Welcome into First Draft. I am Field Yates, joined, as I always am, by Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. First Draft is a show that airs twice a week, Monday and, of course, Thursday, today's show. We're talking about a quarterback who is not down at the Reese's Senior Bowl this week because of an injury suffered during his bowl game of his final college season. But before we get into that with the two gentlemen, a quick reminder that First Draft is available now on Mondays as a live-streamed show. That's right, whether you want to watch on YouTube, the ESPN app, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. We are available 2 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. We'll dive into the latest before the draft gets really close to us. It's about three months away from right now. Before we dive into Matt Corral, we've got Todd and Mel. Todd, starting with you, what's going on? Busy week. Busy week in Mobile, Alabama. Senior Bowl, getting a lot of information, getting a a lot of practices, and and get to learn a lot about these prospects that we're talking about and so many first second and third rounders more than I can remember to be honest in 23 years of coming to Mobile and scouting this game but we'll kind of unpack all of that when the week of practice is done and the game is over on Saturday we have our podcast on on Monday looking forward to that because there's so much to go through but uh but always good to talk to you Field and and even more so Mel Kuyper my my good friend hey Field don't buy any of this okay don't buy anything McShane says okay never buy any of that but great to be with you there are some players that won't be in Mobile they're going to go very high and we'll get to them as well during the podcast on Monday and as well as what we're talking about right now yeah, always an interesting week down there in Mobile. We've been following along all week on ESPN's coverage of the Reese's Senior Bowl. But as I mentioned, there is a quarterback who is not there. It's Matt Corral. He suffered an ankle injury during his final game at Ole Miss. Doesn't seem to be super significant, but enough that it impacts the way in which he's going to attack this pre-draft process. Todd, how much do you think the ankle injury and the fact that he's not in Mobile is going to impact the value of Matt Corral, who I I think by most people's estimates is somewhere in that top five quarterback mix. It's just a matter of who you talk to. Yeah, I, I think, I don't think the ankle, let's put it this way. The ankle itself specifically is not going to affect his draft status. I think it's more of a big picture with Matt Corral in terms of his play style. He likes to run the football. I mean, he had a game where he carried the ball 30 times in the game and that's kind of who he is. He doesn't have to win with his feet. He doesn't have to win as a runner. He can win inside the pocket and win with his ability to extend plays. But when you've got an undersized quarterback who's been dinged up and has kind of struggled even when he's you know, been on the field, he hasn't been 100% a lot, it's going to be interesting to see how that affects his overall grade and where he winds up falling in this class because you've got a bigger, stronger guy in Kenny Pickett who's also dealt with some, some injury stuff in his career. You've got Malik Willis who's also undersized and, and likes to run as well, uh, but he's been more durable. So you got to kind of factor it into everyone. But in my opinion, it's Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett kind of vying for that number one quarterback spot. We can get into that more as, as the Senior Bowl wraps up and Mel and I can kind of exchange notes on, on what we saw here in Mobile and, and, and moving forward. But Matt Corral, to me, is kind of solidly in that number three quarterback spot. And I think in that middle to late first round range is, is where he expects to go. We've talked about Denver uh, picking, I think, at nine, Washington at 11. you got Pittsburgh. 
Uh, New Orleans, Detroit has that second first-round pick, which is later in the first, but would they move up to go get a guy? So there are several teams when we get past the first seven, eight picks that need quarterbacks, and that's kind of the sweet spot for this quarterback class. Again, I don't think Corral is going to necessarily fall because of that ankle injury, but it's a bigger picture concern with his body type, his aggressive running play style. How is that going to hold up in the NFL? It's an RPO quarterback, and I think that's where you look at Matt Corral and the ability to spin it and make all the throws. He can do that. The arm strength is excellent, outstanding. The ball jumps out of his hand. But I think the trajectory of throws, sometimes put a little air under your throws, alter the trajectory a bit, adjust that a bit. And I think in terms of the running ability, play smart. I think he does, but he's a gritty, tough kid. Arguably, uh, pound for pound, one of the toughest football players in the country this year for the type of impact he had running the ball and the type of shots he takes and the way he plays the game with reckless abandon. That's got to change a bit uh, to protect him from injury because he is a quarterback who reminds me a lot. And I know Todd and Field, you guys are too young to remember, Joey T, good friend of mine, great friend of mine. I worked with at ESPN all those years and a great quarterback in the NFL and a great quarterback at Notre Dame, Joe Theismann. Joe was that kind of quarterback. Came into the NFL, right? Had to go to Connect Canada because they wanted to make it. They were making a punt return early on at Washington before he was a quarterback. He's returning punts. He was a great athlete. He was a guy about six foot, 190, 195. What's Matt Corral? Very similar. So my cop is somebody old in this business, been around forever, right? Kind of a dinosaur uh, would be Joey T, Joey Theismann. Joe Theismann is the cop for Matt Corral for me. And if he has a career anywhere close to what Joe did, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, the team that drafts Matt Corral is going to be more than happy. Well, I'm interested too, Kuiper. How, like, when you watch the tape of Corral, yeah, it is. That's way. That's going way back. I, I get it. But anyway, I, I'm interested because I struggle with Corral a little bit because I agree with you. I mean, obviously, the intangibles are outstanding. The guy is. I mean, everyone around him loves him. Will run through a wall for Matt Corral. He's a proven winner. I mean, he led them to, to Ole Miss to the first 10-win regular season in school history. This guy is just. It, it, it's something about him, right? But the hard part is, despite his arm strength, because he does have a good arm, he can make every NFL throw, and I think he's up there. He's got probably a better arm than, than Kenny Pickett. He's up there with, with some other quarterbacks like Desmond Ritter. I think he's kind of same, in that same range. And then talking about good arm strength. But such a high volume of his throws are within five yards of the line of scrimmage and coming off that RPO stuff. So it's hard to evaluate him with the NFL game and all the anticipatory throws you have to make and leading receivers and knowing where to go with the football and being able to hit a spot when it's not the receiver coming back to him or on a quick slant of those throws that he throws so many of. So I'm just interested, like, as an evaluator, how hard has it been for you? Because I'm saying to you straight up, it's been difficult watching his tape trying to project that to the NFL. We're seeing more and more of it, but how, how hard has it been for you, Kai, just knowing that that's not exactly the game that he's going to be playing? He'll have some RPO, but that won't be the foundation of his NFL offense. Yeah, all the quarterbacks are difficult. None of them are easy, Ty. We know they're like snowflakes. They're all different. That's the way quarterbacks are. But uh, And there's no perfect formula to evaluate these guys. A lot of it's gut feel. I think for Matt Corral, the concern is, out of that RPO system, all the things you said, Todd, in the frame. He doesn't have that imposing physical presence out there. So he's got to play smart. I think to adjust to the pro game. I mentioned Joe Theismann. He had to adjust to the pro game. He had to do things to really prove that he could play in the NFL before he became Joe Theismann, the great great NFL quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback. So I think for Matt Corral, it's going to take a little bit of time. And I think, you know, in a league where there's no patience for quarterbacks, 
How will Matt Corral deal with this new NFL, new environment where if you're in year two and you're not playing and playing great football like Joe Burrow, you're a bust. How mentally will a quarterback knowing, and I think the organization is going to be important, Todd, here too. Is the organization realistic in what they know and their expectations of Matt Corral? That we got to take this guy from this offense and we got to adjust and give him time to transition and develop into a NFL quarterback for the style we want to attack defenses with. I think this is going to be as much about Matt Corral as will be the team, the organization, the head coach, the coordinator, the quarterback coach that he goes to, and will they allow him that maybe two, three years of an adjustment period to settle in and maybe be able to be, as I say, a successful starting quarterback at the pro level. It will be very interesting for Matt Corral. We'll see exactly where he fits into this Rubik's Cube, if you will, of quarterbacks at the top of the board. If you want more information on the quarterbacks that are at the Senior Bowl this week, there are six of them in total. Go ahead and check out Monday's edition of First Draft. Mel and Todd, always appreciate the insight. Todd, enjoy the rest of the week down there in Mobile. We'll talk to both of you on Monday. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. All right, so from quarterback talk about a player who's not at the Senior Bowl to players who are at the Senior Bowl, including our eyes on the ground. He's been on the show before, but if you missed the episode, it's such a thrill to have Jordan Reed as one of our new NFL draft experts here at ESPN. He's been a massive addition to our coverage, and he is down in Mobile. Jordan, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Happy to be here once again, Field. I'm excited to talk draft. There's a lot going on with the Senior Bowl, too, here in Mobile, Alabama, so I'm excited to show Yeah, we're going to uh, keep you busy here over the next couple of months. Well, two and a half months until the NFL draft actually takes place in Las Vegas. Uh, We're going to take a big zoom out as we look at the Senior Bowl week because we'll have plenty to digest throughout the rest of the week. But two practices are in the books. And I want to start with the quarterbacks, Jordan, because invariably a draft is almost always defined by the quarterbacks and whether there are Andrew Luck level prospects or not. So let me ask you here. 
speaking generally, how have the quarterbacks been? And then has anybody separated themselves from the rest of that quarterback group? Yeah, you know, the first day, or I will say the biggest adjustment for quarterbacks, especially when you're talking about an all-star game, is that there's so many different things that they have to go through. Some of these guys have never even called in plays in a huddle before. Everything's so signal-based in college-oriented offenses. So the first day is kind of a wash with quarterbacks, and that's mm-hmm. any all-star event, just because there's so many different things that they have to go through on top of the reads that they have to go through, and then also the new verbiage that they have to know and then also relate to their teammates too. So day two and day three are really the days where I really try to hone in on quarterbacks. But as far as a player that I think has stood out the most, I think Malik Willis from Liberty, I think he's kind of separated himself from the pack. I think he had a really strong day two, and I think he has the strongest arm of any quarterback down of of the bunch too. And Carson Strong also has a strong arm too, but he struggled a little bit with his accuracy. But I think Malik Willis is the one guy that's really separated himself from the pack right now. You know, I've talked about this in the past, and we talked about it on the show earlier, too. Is it like usually at the Senior Bowl, there's an opportunity for at least one quarterback or perhaps multiple quarterbacks to separate himself from the pack. You know, last year, it was clear that it was almost like we had Mac Jones and then the rest of the quarterbacks also there, right? Mac stood out in such a profound way. And obviously he was the only one that was drafted in the first round last year amongst the players that were there. Is it that much of a gap between Malik Willis and the rest of the quarterbacks, or has he just been, you know, a few inches ahead of the rest of the group? I think a little few inches ahead. I wouldn't say it's kind of been an underwhelming group overall, honestly field, but I think the weather has had something to do with it as well. During the second day of practice, it was a downpour during the first practice session. And then during the second practice session, it was rain on and off. So that's something that you definitely have to take into account into the evaluation situation. But uh, I think Kenny Pickett was steady the first day. I think he struggled a little bit during the second day, which is going to raise a lot of questions with them, especially with the hand size and then the weather. That's something you're going to hear a lot with him. But he was steady during the first day and then struggled a little bit with his accuracy during the second day. But Desmond Ritter has been up and down. Sam Howell had a consistent first day and then struggled a little bit during day two. And Bailey Zappi definitely has been up and down, too. Hard to find steady, consistent quarterback action sometimes, too, because of the fact that, you know, these guys are throwing to players they met like two days ago, right? You're yeah. used to running a comeback at a certain distance or with a certain receiver who has this kind of speed or body type, subtle adjustments that tend to get better as the week goes on. Uh, so the Senior Bowl still has more practices ahead, and hopefully the weather turns in the next couple of days here. But if you were to figure out, if you were to assign, a player who has been the best on the field so far. Does somebody stand out for you or maybe a few players that you say to yourself, these look like the superior prospects down in Mobile? Well, one player I will mention that has really stood out to me is Jermaine Johnson II from Florida State. He actually is a transfer from Georgia. And if you remember, he was a player that was once on that impressive Georgia defense from this past season. Ended up playing around 20 games there, but he transferred to Florida State and it ended up working out for him. He was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. And he's by far been one of the more impressive players during the event down here in Mobile. He has an impressive combination of athleticism, power, and then just the repertoire of moves that he's been able to display 
he put a spin move on somebody yesterday. I believe it was Darian Kennard, the offensive tackle from Kentucky, that really drawed a lot of oohs and ahs from the crowd and scouts and evaluators in attendance. So he has that wow factor with this game. And then the next player that I mentioned is Perion Winfrey. He's a defensive tackle from Oklahoma, and he was the number one Juco recruit in the country back in 2019 when he came into Oklahoma, spent two seasons there. And he was a little bit underwhelming. He didn't really live up to the hype just because they had such a big rotation. They're Oklahoma and they had so many talented players on that defense. And they were, it really was an embarrassment of Richards of that. He kind of got lost in the shuffle, but he's been really outstanding down here in Mobile. I love the combination of his first step. He's very quick out of the starting blocks, but he's really starting to put together and string together moves, which is something that we really didn't see during his entire career at Oklahoma. And then the last player I'll mention is Christian Watson, who's a wide receiver from North Dakota State, a little bit bigger receiver at about six foot four, 215 pounds. But he's been everything as advertised. One of the best FCS players in the country. He was a little bit banged up down the back stretch of last season. He was dealing with the hamstring injury that really ultimately hurt him in the FCS championship game before they went on to win that game. But he looks fully healthy now and he's caught everything down here in Mobile. So a couple of guys that have stood out so far. I also want to ask you about a player that I might have a bit of a rooting interest in myself because of my allegiance in college football, but I feel like I've read a lot on Twitter, including some from yourself, about Zion Johnson, interior offensive lineman for Boston College. Uh, where do you project him positionally at the next level, and how has he acquitted himself so far this week? He was, I think he was one of the better players on the field during the first day of practices. He did struggle a little bit with some consistency during the second day, and it came more so when he was playing center just because he's never snapped before he played guard and tackle when he was first at Davidson and then transferred to Boston college. He's played both guard and tackle. didn't have any experience at center, but I did, I tweeted this out and this is something that I love about the senior bowl is that you get a firsthand look at some of these guys and just how driven they are and just the type of players that they are. He was the only offensive lineman from the national team that stayed after practice and he wanted to get some extra snaps. He went over to Malik Willis and he got about 10 or 12 snaps just trying to get some extra practice. And he did it in the rain during the second day after practice, too. So he seems to be determined to perfect some of the, the warts that he has in his game, especially at center, knowing that he's never snapped before. But I think he projects best at guard at the next level. He's played both right and left guard, so he has experience on either side. But the Cowboys at 24, I don't think that's out of the question. We'll see where the Bengals end up with the 31st or the 32nd pick in the draft. I think that could be a landing spot as well. But also – the, the New York Jets have two picks at the top of the second round. I think that's an area that they could go to with Zion Johnson. Good to see that the Boston, Boston College offensive line is getting some love. They've got a few guys who are draft eligible and could hear their name being called. Again, I've got some selfish interest in that one. If you were to assess what's the deepest position this week down at the Senior Bowl, what would it be and who stood out? I mean, of course, everybody's going to say quarterbacks just because we have five of the top six projected guys to go in the draft. Everybody except Matt Corral is down here, and you guys have talked him up plenty. But I think the, the defensive line has been the most impressive group overall. I've already touched on Jermaine Johnson and Perrion Winfrey, but also another name who's really jumped out to me and been one of the more impressive players here is Travis Jones. He's a defensive tackle from UConn, and the first tape that I saw of him was against Clemson last season. He actually opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID. So he came back. He's about six foot four, 330 pounds. He's that true zero technique or that one technique that you can just plug in the A gap and go. So for teams that aren't maybe aren't comfortable with taking Jordan Davis in the first round, I think you probably could get Travis Jones probably in the back end of the second to the early third round. 
All right. So I don't want to be the person that sits here and undercuts the merits of these prospects because they're all working extremely hard and not everything that takes place during a bowl game week can either foretell success or failure. But if there's somebody, are there a few players that you're saying to yourself with a couple days left before the game? And of course the game itself on Saturday that you want to see more out of based off what you've seen so far. Well, one I would have circled is Trevor Penny, the offensive yep. tackle from Northern Iowa. And he's a player that you've seen in the top 20 of mock drafts, but he's been very up and down. I thought he settled in a little bit more today. And that usually what that's usually what happens with small school players. They try to adjust to the speed of the game. They haven't seen ACC and SEC speed and some of these FBS types of players just because they're used to being the best player on the field in the FCS ranks. And he's more of a bully type of offensive lineman, not a super or overly athletic type of player. So I think some of the speed from these edge rushers really caught him by surprise during the first day and he settled in a little bit more during day two but I want to see how he adjusts during the final day of practice tomorrow interesting stuff there certainly sounds like uh, there's always going to be a couple of small school guys who can sort of make or break their own you know sort of make or break their fortune during this week but I feel like they've done a good job Jim Nagy has at identifying guys yeah. who kind of fit at the next level uh, let's sort of just once again, zoom out and look at like, what's the best value in your opinion and being on the field or near the field for this week of practice? Like what are areas that you're able to scout more now that you haven't been able to pick up during the film breakdowns that you've been doing of these players for, you know, for, for some of them uh, who have been draft eligible as, as you know, perhaps last year, like you, you, you've been studying some of these guys for two seasons now. How is this experience different for you on the field or in, in person? Well, the great thing about being at the Senior Bowl is that you really get to know the person and understand the person. Each player here has a media session, so you'll be able to pretty much ask them about some of the things that they may have faced, whether it's adversity or some positive moments that they faced throughout their career. But also you get to see how they interact with the, with their teammates as well, like for example, quarterbacks are a great microcosm of where you can see who's a leader, who's more reserved, your outspoken players, or who's more of a lead-by-example type of players. And I love using the example of Justin Herbert, who was more of a lead-by-example type right. of quarterback, but on the opposite end of the spectrum in that same group, Jalen Hurts was more of an outspoken type of player. So you really get to see the different types of personalities, but also you get to understand the person a little bit better too. So if you were to use those, like, th those sort of parameters – um, how would you sort of describe some of the top quarterbacks and how they lead so far? I think Pickett's more of a quiet and reserved, more of a lead by example type of okay. player. And I don't know if we have that rah-rah outspoken type of guy, but Malik Willis has been a, a player that's really leading the charge. He's been the first in drills. He's been high-fiving guys after big moments. Carson Strong has been very outspoken too. Whenever somebody makes a big-time catch, he'll run all the way down the field and jump up in the air and give him a nice shoulder bump or chest bump. So, like I said, you get to know the player and the person a little bit more, but Willis and Strong have been more of the outspoken players of the bunch, but Pickett's been more reserved and Howell and Zappy have been the same way too. And there's no right or wrong way with quarterbacks. It's just understanding uh, the person that you're getting. Totally. And I mean, Justin Herbert is a perfect example because that was one of the question marks, fair or unfair coming out of the draft. And it looks like it was probably unfair was how does this more reserved personality translate if at all in onto the field in the NFL. And in Justin's case, the answer is not so much. He's got a different leadership style than, as you mentioned, Jalen Hurts, who's got sort of just drips and oozes confidence. And I think that does instill into his teammates, right? I mean, Joe Burrow is a good example of that right now, right? Joe's right. confidence is infectious for the Bengals. 
And uh, we're seeing, you know, a variety of different quarterback dispositions. It sounds like down there in mobile before I let you go, Jordan, anything else that you feel like is important to share from the first couple of days of practice that has stood out to you, whether it's player evaluation, whether it's stuff you're hearing, uh, you know, as you're sitting in the stands of these, uh, of these practices, you name it, whether it's the coaching and how that's uh, how you perceive what the jets have done, you name it, anything goes, the floor is yours. Well, I will say I think both teams have done a really good job as far as the organization of the practice. Each one has been a little bit different as far as the flow, but I think the the Lions and the Jets have done a terrific job as far as the flow and just the organization and how everything has been open. And they've given you a chance to evaluate a lot of guys. And Jim Nagy has put together an impressive roster, just like he always does at the Senior Bowl. But I will say this, as far as the evaluation process and the Senior Bowl, just understand that these evaluations are in a vacuum. And it's just a piece to the puzzle. It's not an overall end-all, be-all type of piece to the puzzle. But it's just something that goes into the equation. All of these players are building up their draft portfolios, as I like to call it. And this is a big piece, but it's not the end-all, be-all. It's a part of the process. That much is for sure. But we still have a lot ahead of us. We've got pro days coming around the corner. I know that Kenny Pickett is scheduled for March 23rd. We always keep our eyes out for those big quarterback pro days as guys can make their fortunes even further. Uh, let me ask you one last question that I thought of because you did bring it up a little bit earlier. A lot of people are wondering about Kenny Pickett's hand size and Pat Narduzzi, the pit head coach came out with an ardent stance, you know, who cares about hand size? He said we should be, and I think, I know he was speaking in, you know, tongue in cheek, but he said, we should cut these guys open and measure their hearts. That's the one that really matters. But I think what happens sometimes is people think that when we talk about hand size, we're focusing in too much on something that doesn't matter. It's not the end-all be-all, but what is the context that you think is important to note surrounding hand size, or do you feel like it's something that we shouldn't even really care about? Well, I mean, Joe Burrow had really small hands too, but Kenny Pickett is kind of an outlier as far as the hand size, and I think he'll probably measure it at combine or the pro day. We'll see which one, or if he does, even at all. We've seen things like this happen in the past. Like, I don't think Colin Murray or Lamar Jackson ran 40 times, and that was the big thing about them sure. coming out. So we may not even get an official hand size on Kenny Pickett. We'll see what does happen with that. But it did affect him quite a bit. I will say that in today's practice in the rain, he did struggle a little bit with driving the football. So he didn't do anything to quiet those narratives. But it's not a big, it's not a big thing to me, honestly. It's not a big deal to me just because he played in the inclements inclement weather in Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh doesn't always have the best weather. We both know that. So it isn't a situation of where he was playing in like sunny Florida his entire career, and he never had to deal with bad weather. So uh, for older scouts, I think it's something that's probably going to be a big hang up for them with Pickett. But for me, it's not a big deal at all just because of where he played and then the success that he had. Sure. Yeah. We've seen some guys that have come out with bear claws, right? Matthew Stafford's got that big hand. We've seen guys like you mentioned, Joe Burrow, who had smaller hands. You would think that teams that play in even more inclement weather than Pitt might be a little bit more mindful of it. But let's be honest, as you said, it's not like Pitt is, uh, you know, way south in the United States. It's, it gets some pretty <laughs> nasty weather there uh, in Pennsylvania. So it didn't seem to impact him being Kenny Pickett that much. Well, Jordan Reed, we appreciate you. And, and as we said the last time you joined us, you're going to continue to be a big part of First Draft throughout the rest of this pre-draft process. We want everybody to find you. Go on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed, and that's R-E-I-D for great information. Like I said, it's a really, really big get for us to have you on our team. We hope you enjoy the rest of the week down there in Mobile, and we'll do it again sometime soon. Absolutely. Thanks, as always, Phil.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As always, such great stuff there from Jordan Reed. Can't stress enough how excited we are to have him as part of our team here at ESPN. Looking forward to the rest of the Senior Bowl week, and we'll have a recap of the Senior Bowl as Todd McShay is also down there on Monday. Plenty of thoughts from both he and Mel. And if you're listening to this and you want to catch the last practice of the Senior Bowl, you can watch ESPNU 1.30 each day. Go check it out. Take a look at what is taking place on the field And a reminder, Monday, we are live again once more on all social mediums. You want to go to YouTube. You want to go to the ESPN app. You want to go to Twitter. You will find us there, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper Jr., and me, Field Yates. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Have a great weekend. This has been The First Draft.